agnostics, long-haired weirdos, short-haired weirdos, vandals, hooligans. The government has the government love. The government has the government love. The government Welcome to the Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a professor of political science at Northern Kentucky University. I'm joined today by my conservative counterpart, Cleveland area attorney and defender of freedom, Jay Carson. Hey, good morning, Mike. Hey, Jay, how are you doing today? Well, pretty, what, hang on. There, there's, I think, I think Merrick Garland's at the door. I got it. No, I, I'm sorry. It's not him. <laughs> um, um, all things considered, yes, uh, pretty good. Well, that, that's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. And, you know, before we get going today, before I forget, actually, I just want to give folks a quick programming note, I guess you'd call it. You know, in the past, we've been putting out our supporter-exclusive midweek episodes on Wednesdays, which is the day that we also typically run interviews, which are available uh, to everyone, really. But uh, to spread things out a little more evenly going forward, we're going to be posting the midweek episodes on Tuesdays and interviews on Thursdays when we have interviews to post. And we've really been doing a lot more interviews. And so uh, you should be expecting a lot more of those in the future. Just wanted to let people kind of know what's going on with that. But uh, speaking of what's going on, we do have a whole bunch of stuff going on that we want to get into. We actually have some updates from the last time, Jay, you and I were were on. And uh, of course, the uh, FBI, Trump search, uh, more on inflation, honoring our PACT Act, primary stuff, uh, a whole bunch of things. And we're going to just jump right into it in just one second. All right, Jay, as I said, you know, last time we were there were two stories that we talked about and we said, you know, we, we, we're not sure about this. And as opposed to so many pundits who just sort of. And it, and it wasn't entirely our fault. Because no, because this was something where they, the Congress came up with a deal that was last minute and uh, uh, it was sort of on a, on a Friday afternoon. And, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And we didn't want to just opine without checking. And so we sort of reserved, reserved judgment until we could actually check. And one of these things that we wanted to check on was, whether, now, now you have judgment. <laughs> yes, now we have judgment, or at least, you know, semi-judgment. One of the things we wanted to check on is whether or not ARPA money could be used for, for monkeypox. And, Jay, I know you suggested, you said, like, well, in Cleveland, it seems like they're using it for pretty much whatever the hell they We're want. We're using it for dog parks. And, and there's actually uh, yes. some scandals about that, I know, in, in Cleveland. But anyway, so we agreed we would check. And so according to the final rule uh, issued by the Treasury Department on the use of ARPA money, ARPA funds must fit into one of four categories, and that's responding to public health and negative economic impacts of the pandemic, premium pay to essential workers, government services to the extent of revenue loss due to the pandemic, and making necessary investments in water, sewer, and broadband infrastructure. So now the way I read that, Jay, is technically and according to clearly the intent here, no, ARPA money can no more be used for monkey for for monkeypox than it could for I don't know a dog park, right? But I could see how someone might be able to sort of Does, twist that in a way. Doesn't that cover healthcare? I mean, what was the, what was the first category you you read though? No, negative economic impacts of the pandemic, not any pandemic, oh, but not the any. Pandemic. All right. So so the pandemic. So all this right, is why I said you know before we we started before we started recording, I said to Jay, well, you're I feel like you're kind of right, but but not entirely right or, or somewhat wrong on this in that and that I think if you're following the, the clear legislative intent here that no ARPA money can't be used 
for monkey pucks or dog parks or what have you. But whether or not it would be and anyone would challenge that, that's a different story. So I'm, I'm going to give you kind of a, a, a halfway maybe on that one, if that's okay. 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 Now, the second thing we looked in, we were talking about was Medicare drug negotiation, which, of course, is part of the Inflation Reduction Act that was signed into law this week by President Biden. And you were wondering, well, is it real negotiation like traditional negotiation? And the answer to that actually is really complicated because the process, as I dug into it and read the legislation, wow. But no, it is not. You're right in the sense that it is not negotiation in the sense where one party can walk away. So, but it's not exactly a take it or leave it because there are a bunch of conditions attached to what exactly the government is able to do. So they can't just say, well, you're going to give everyone this drug for a dollar. And that's just, you know, because we say so, but you're right in the sense that it actually is not a traditional sort of both parties are sort of free to walk away negotiation. So on that, I would say, yes, you're mostly right on that one. So there you All go. Right. All so, right. Yeah, so, so I'm the fact checker, the politics guy fact checker uh, indicates I am. And my, my, my point, my bigger point with the Medicare spending was that the legislation uh, gives the government a power to impose a, a significant excise tax yeah. on on people who don't go along with it. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's that's a that's a big hammer that people don't have in any other negotiation where you're you're dealing with someone and they say, well, you don't like this deal. And then you say, well, OK, I'm going to tax you. Right. And, and you're you're absolutely you're absolutely right on that. And sort of to balance that out on the other end, they uh, there are safeguards built into the legislation saying that, for instance, that the government cannot require companies to sell drugs below cost or, you know, it's uh, things like that. Right. So it's but, but anyway, I would say that in the end, yes, you are you are substantially right on that one two for two there, well, I'll call it one two and a half two -ish. Two, there you go but anyway anyway so uh with with that kind of out of the way uh, obviously the big story we wanted to really open with this week was the fbi's execution of a search warrant at former president trump's mar-a-lago home on monday and uh, as we know now, Attorney General Merrick Garland personally approved the search after the failure of, in his words, less intrusive means of retrieving classified documents that Trump may have illegally taken when he left the White House. And now, of course, in terms of the response, well, Republicans freaked out. You know, the FBI is the Stasi defund the FBI, according to Marjorie Taylor Greene. And this is a banana republic sort of tactic, all that sort of thing. And uh, and and now we have reports that uh, the magistrate judge who approved the search warrant is now apparently under protection or in hiding or something like that because of multiple threats on his life and doxing of the FBI agents who uh, conducted the search and so forth. Um, but, you know, initially, Jay, the the, the FBI, and I, I would argue rightfully so, was silent about the details because that's what you do with investigations is you don't just basically kind of put them out there in the public, right? That's standard operating Correct. procedure. Correct, and that's, that is the standard procedure, and that is, I think, in their, their manual, so to speak, yeah. right? Of, of this is how you hand, handle things. 
that uh, you do not comment on an ongoing investigation. Yeah, and but later on, but in, there, yeah. there are there are exceptions. Yeah. And, no. and this week, when when the government actually requested that that warrant be unsealed, they cited the public's clear and powerful interest in understanding what occurred under these circumstances, and so that that in fact was a compelling argument. At least it was to the uh, federal magistrate judge who approved that request. And once I think we saw, you know, at least we have a more of a sense now of what the materials that were uh, that were taken. Right. We know that there were, I think, 11, uh, 11 sets of documents around 20 boxes, including, uh, you know, various classified uh, top secret sensitive compartmentalized information and just two things with, you know, miscellaneous top secret documents, just some things kind of kicking around there, that sort of thing. Um but you know one thing, Jay, that wasn't released. Oh, and also also binders of of photos. And, yeah, all and, kinds uh, of stuff. Pictures and and stuff that is plainly not classified or top secret. Uh, right. But yeah. well, well, according to according to President uh, former President Trump, none of it was classified. Yeah, because. Yeah. Uh, uh, Unbeknownst to us, uh, presidents apparently have the magical power of waving their hands and saying, I hereby decree all of this declassified, whatever it is that I took, and it's now declassified, because that's how government works in some people's minds. Um, But clearly, that's not actually how the declassification process works. Um, Now, I was going to say one thing that we don't know and we probably will never see is the, uh, the affidavit that the government submitted to the magistrate judge for their probable cause issuing issuing that warrant. That's that's probably something we won't be seeing, although it seems like uh, a number of people on the right are saying that, no, we actually need to see that. In fact, we need every single detail of the case against the former president. And that's the only way we'll be satisfied, which, of course, is kind of on the face of it. I, I think even you would agree, right? Sort of ridiculous, the idea that uh, if the government has you know, a case against somebody, that they will release all of their information to the public. That's uh, that, that's, I think, sort of ridiculous, right? Um, well, yes and no. Yes and no. Uh, okay. Look, yes I, I really no. want to no, hear I mean, the no. Uh, the, I really want to hear the why you think that if, if, if someone is, I guess, what I'm struggling with here is if somebody may have committed a crime and the government's investigating it, that they should yes. release everything before they're done with their investigation. I mean, that just seems to fly directly. That's, that's no, that's where I would say, no, okay. they shouldn't okay. release it before their investigation. But I will say, obviously, if there are going to be, is going to be any kind of charges brought or prosecution brought, uh, they're going to be required. Sure. To, yeah. To release it. That's Absolutely. that's part of the the criminal discovery process. Is that the government has to hand over? Here's all the stuff we've we've got on you. Yeah. Um. Uh. Both both good and bad. Um. So that's why I say yes and no. I I think you can make the argument that it's ridiculous to demand this right now, or 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 that the government ought to hand over everything right now. Okay. Yeah. Um. That said, it's it's not ridiculous to say this is information. That one, the defendant needs to have, and and two, uh, certainly the public needs to have. Now, the other thing I'd, I'd say on on that is, in this sort of a situation, um, I think regardless of whether it's legally required, uh, I think it makes a whole lot of sense uh, for the government to 
reassure the public that this is not a, a witch hunt, that this is not a uh, the actions of Banana Republic uh, and the fact that if the government says, no, we won't release uh, anything, uh, the, the, the more the more silent the government is on this, uh, the more that feeds into uh, conspiracy theories. I don't, uh, let me stop so you there because I don't understand your argument here and I want to make sure I do, because it, it seems to me that, that no one in the Justice Department has said we will never release this information if we indict former President yeah. Trump. There's no one Correct. no one has yeah. said that. And so I guess I'm I'm also confused as to how you would you would say the government should go about reassuring people that this isn't some witch. I mean, what, what are they supposed to? This is not a witch hunt. We are not a banana. Rubber. That's. I mean, there's really nothing. It seems to me that the Justice Department can do that it hasn't done to this point to reassure people. And, and so, I guess I, I sure, sure it can. So my my okay. sense would be: listen, if you are going to one execute a a search warrant on a uh, the, the residence of a former president and essentially a, pre- a current presidential candidate, um, someone you would even describe, let's put it this way, if this was it happened in another country, we would say, you know, there was a, a government uh, raid and search upon the, you know, opposition leader's home, right? Uh, for, for good or ill, that is sort of a, a, a term that could, uh, could fit Donald Trump. Um, I think it, it's incumbent to say why this significant step needed to be taken rather than from what we've we've learned and no one's disputed this but they have i mean but but they have oh, you, attorney you general garland made yet. it clear that there were there <laughs> were negotiations. Know what i'm going to say yeah well, no but no but, but but you said they should make it clear why they did this and, and i said they have to the extent that they could because attorney general garland on on multiple occasions now has said that we have attempted to we have requested this information it's been part of you know a month long sort of back and forth and yeah. this information has not been willingly given to us and so i i guess uh, so go ahead and, and explain to me exactly what you think the the ways in which i guess you would say if you were merrick garland what would you do that he hasn't done or what would you not do that he has done or something like that because i just don't see it but convince I, me I i'm, I'm say, open to being convinced right i would i would say listen you, you, everyone what i was going to say that everyone has agreed on is that there had been negotiation there had been uh boxes turned over uh, earlier on, uh, the Trump team has maintained, now this could be correct or incorrect, that it was certainly willing to talk and that it hadn't had any communications with the government uh, since the, uh, you know, the request that we need you to put a new lock on on this. Um, so I would like to hear why, why all of a sudden, why now, right? If this, again, President Trump left office, uh, you know, a year and a half ago. Um, if this problem has been going on for some time, we know at least it's, they've been negotiating this this issue on these documents for a couple months. And again, it sounds as if those negotiations were were, were amicable. Um, at what point did they become uh, so uh, inamicable that the attorney general decided they needed to resort to the much larger and uh, I'll even say it unprecedented step of seeking a warrant. Now, again, this is a search warrant for stuff that they essentially already knew is there um, uh, of, of his of his home. Um, 
without sort of intermediates, there, there are a whole lot of, of, of things you can do before you get to um, a whole lot of armed federal agents showing but, up. But Jay, they're, they're like resident. you said, it was 18 months. I mean, I, it seems to me that that, pres, that former President Trump has been treated with, with, with kid gloves. I mean, the, this, the, the idea no, that, I mean... It hasn't been a... But the, the last, as I, again, we only know what, what's being reported, was the last discussions were in June, and the uh, government had looked at, looked at stuff. Trump, Trump's uh, uh, attorney said they were cooperating. The government had asked that a new lock be installed on the, the room where this, uh, this material was being held, um, and that was done. What happened between then and now? And that, that would raise that would, this right. to a, a, a search warrant kind of thing. And that would and presumably we, we be part of that affidavit that was presented right. to the magistrate judge. And that's that's unlikely to be something, uh, at least that's my sense, that's unlikely to be something that is going to be unsealed. That would be, I think, sure. fairly unprecedented. But you, you know more about you know well, more about that. But, than but I, I think whether, whether or not. Well, I don't really because that's not that's not what I'm not I a criminal do, guy. Yeah, it right? is. Yeah. Sure. Um, and unsealing warrants. Uh, but one thing I do know, Mike, <laughs> is that uh, here in America, no, I, I think the, but the, the, the issue that, that strikes me is regardless of, of uh, whether it can be unsealed legally, you know, that's, that's a different issue, right? Um, the government still can say, listen, we took this extraordinary step because this was an extraordinary circumstance. And that extraordinary circumstance was X, right? We had been negotiating with with uh, the former president for uh, this long, and we reached an impasse, or we, we we received some sort of information that one, this material would be destroyed. Two, under the Espionage Act, he's going to hand it over to the, a foreign government. Um, uh, there, there is you know some some other reason uh, that. This step, this had to be taken immediately, and I think that's what what people are scratching their heads over. Um, is is why now? Why all of a sudden? Why this drastic of, of a step? Why not a, a subpoena? Um, uh, I, I seem to recall even... that that actually was was actually what had that had actually been part of the process, and part of the argument was over whether or not the, the Trump uh, Trump folks were actually complying. And so, right. and, and so, and, and you know what, and you know what you do when someone doesn't comply with subpoena is you go to court and you have a hearing. You don't show up with, uh, with the, 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 the feds and start seizing documents. Unless you, unless you, unless you think that there's, there's good reason to believe that those documents will be lost or destroyed exactly. or something else. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's the information that I think the public needs to know is we had to take this extraordinary step because of X, uh, because Trump was going to destroy them or hand them over to someone else or, or do there was some other, there was some imminent threat, if you will, um, that, that was, had changed what the status quo had been. Uh, if this is just a routine discovery dispute over, you know, I get to keep this and no, I don't. And, and is it classified or is it not classified? Again, You've got, you know, if the documents are secured, um, you can handle that in in any in a, a court proceeding. 
um, where the lawyers show up and they argue about, well, he, you know, he says he, he, um, he declassified them and no, he didn't. And, you know, you can argue about that process. Um, but I think it, it does violence uh, to this, to, to our sort of our, our republic when, when you take this step and you, you don't give the public that something to realize, oh, this is, this is why this is happening. Well, and, it, and it feeds the conspiracy theories that, that the, the, you know, it, it, let's put it this way. This is, would, would you just, would you do this with an FBI that has in the past, um, well, not admittedly, but it, it got caught falsifying warrants to federal judges, um, to wiretap uh, people involved in this campaign, uh, to an FBI that, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> tried to sneakily, uh, you know, uh, the way they approached the whole uh, Michael Flynn situation, right? Reaching out and saying, well, he's not going to expect that this is really an interview and, and all that sort of thing. And a, a government that admittedly did not turn over exculpatory information in the Michael Flynn case. Um, I mean, I, I think I think the the idea that um, we can just automatically say, "Oh, I'm sure Merrick Garland must have had a good reason," that might have flown. And quite honestly, I I would have probably accepted that. I'm I'm a law and order kind of guy. Um, if this had been a couple years ago, but just, but just when you let, have me, just, record, let me just let me just be clear uh, uh, that that Merrick Garland could not, on his own uh, initiative, just do that. That that judge needed to actually uh, approve that. So it's not just like the the lawless FBI just can kind of run in and just you know conduct raids without without a warrant. And so that warrant had to be granted yeah, no, by no, a judge. Oh, oh, I know. Oh, I know. But but I'm, what I'm saying is is Merrick Garland can certainly say, "Listen, uh, American public, uh, this is the reason we sought that that warrant." Um, it's because X, Y, and Z, there's nothing that prohibits him from saying that. Now he may say, well, I'm, I'm going to, you know, you're going to give away some sort of confidential information or tip off somebody, uh, by doing that. Um, you know, that would be an argument in some cases. You know, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I think I, I see what you're saying. And actually, it's, it's, it's you, the documents, right? You, I, I would say that you haven't entirely convinced me, but I think you have an important point there. And, and I'm, I, I, I think that it's possible that Garland, who I think from the get-go has been somebody who's been very cognizant of the charges of politicization of the uh, of the Department of Justice, and has been very very reluctant to comment on investigations because I think he saw that as being a big problem in past administrations, and I would agree with him that maybe he has erred too far in that other direction. And so, yeah, I, you know, I, in, in your kind of walking through this, I think you're right, actually. I think there's probably some sort of a middle ground where Garland could be able to say something, if not, even if not to the general public, certainly to the House and Senate Intelligence Committees and yeah. some sort of a briefing. So, so yeah, I think we have we have evidence that that raised significant concerns that these documents were going to be lost, destroyed, transferred, something like that, and that's why we needed to take this this immediate step now, to preserve yeah. this evidence. Now, now of course, I think what would happen here, uh, I, I'm I, I'm agreeing that 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 maybe makes sense in in really thinking about it from your point of view, but of course, 
given the, the looking at it maybe from how potentially Garland and, and Justice were seeing it is that, well, we could say that, but no one's going to believe that unless we provide plenty of people will, will just refuse to believe that yeah. unless we provide the actual evidence, which would be essentially showing our hand in an ongoing criminal inquiry. And we're not going to do that. So therefore, it's better not to just say it's better to just not say anything. So, I, I mean, it's kind of a no well, win situation. I guess my question is, though, but, but it, the nature of the criminal inquiry is also something that's that's perplexing, right? The, uh, the the unsealed warrant seems to indicate espionage act, which can mean and a obstruction. lot of things, right? Yeah, and obstruction. Yeah, and obstruction. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure what um, you know exactly the, the the crime is. If the crime is just possessing documents uh, over which there is a dispute over whether they're classified or not, which it's not, um, pretty clearly given but the. We but we do we but do we know that? Yeah, we know that because of in the. Uh, uh, in the information that was unsealed, they have the the, the sections of, of U.S. code that were cited as, as you know the related to the the search warrant. So yeah, we know it's you know Title eighteen, Section seven ninety three, twenty seventy one, and fifteen nineteen. So yeah, we do know that. Right, but that's that goes to possessing top secret information when you're not allowed to. It also goes to uh, Espionage Act, and it also goes to obstruction. And neither of those two things have necessarily any connection to whether or not those documents have been magically orally declassified by the president, in which case— Well, of course, they, of course it does, because no, if they they're declassified— No, they don't. No, no you're wrong. You're wrong about that. I mean, I know you're wrong about that, uh, and I'll say that absolutely, because okay. just because something is classified or unclassified doesn't mean that it is— being held with the attempt to obstruct an, an investigation doesn't matter what kind of document it is. If you are all right, no, but but, but setting aside the the obstruction because you, you can't bootstrap your way um, into a search warrant just through obstruction. Okay, the well, the uh, espionage. Right? Yeah, <laughs> let me let me say you have, the, you have you have evidence. We'd like to see it. The I'll espionage. Well, That's obstruction. Well, the, Espe the Espionage Act, uh, there are there are plenty of instances in which Congress has designated certain documents as being uh, whether or not they're, uh, the president declassifies them or not as being uh, uh, sensitive and so forth and, and defense information. And so it doesn't matter what the president does. And also, I should point out that there is absolutely no evidence that. President Trump, in fact, President Trump has, I believe, himself said that, well, I orally declassified that. And that is not how one declassifies documents. And so this this sure. idea, sure. I think that the president that, like I said, Donald Trump just said, I hereby right. decree that all these things I took are now declassified. I think that is ludicrous on its face. Right. I get it. I, no. And I, I would I would tend to agree uh, to some extent, I, I think. But but what I'm but my point is. Uh, so ergo, we have to show up tomorrow, uh, with, with, uh, uh, with guns, uh, ready to go. I don't um, think it was guns ready uh, to go situation, Jay. So let's not, uh, well, well, let's not, all right. uh, yeah, let's not get into this. The well, FBI they, is a Stasi kind of thing. Okay. Well, agents showed up and way. they conducted a search. No one would, I mean, people were not there. There were not guns ablazing and all that sort of thing. So let's, let's not, uh, uh, let's not add, you know, fuel to this fire that we don't need to. All right. But they were, they were there uninvited. Well, sure. That is the whole point of a war. Right. Obviously. Sure, absolutely. The federal they were government uninvited. showed up uninvited. Yes. Uh, in the early morning. 
with a warrant. Um, with a warrant. Uh, and it was, again, and that's significant in that it's not a, we'd like to come in and talk. It's, we are coming in and searching your, your home. Yeah. Well, that's what a warrant is. Here we are. We're yeah. coming in and searching I mean, yeah. your home. We, I understand why, why, what a warrant is. We, um, but that, it, I think people. I think I think I think you're. I think we're talking past each other. I'm not disagreeing with you. I think you made a reasonable case that it would be good to have more information as to why now. So, but I I think we can. And if this is uh, again, if this is about Espionage Act, um, regardless, I still don't understand what the need for the warrant was uh, when this is this is an, an issue. That if, as you point out, if, well, it's not things that were classified, declassified, um, and again, that's something that you can sort out in court. Uh, the, the important thing is, why why did this have to, to happen uh, now, and, and why could it have not have been done through a uh, other process saying, listen, we hereby demand through subpoena or otherwise – uh, that you give us these, uh, hand over these documents, uh, or you, you mean you go to court with a, like a declaratory judgment uh, uh, suit so, and say, listen, these are these are not your property; they're classified. You have to give them over, um, unless there's there's some actual evidence that it's going to be destroyed or misused. Um, that's that's where I have a a big problem. Well, and, well let me stop you there you, because you, you match a, that with the FBI's history. <laughs> it sounds that's, to me, but but it's not just the FBI, Jay. And so it's, it seems to me that you're basically kind of getting into deep state territory here, starting from a presumption that this federal magistrate judge is corrupt or incompetent or some combination no, thereof. No, I, didn't, I didn't presume. Well, then wait, no, wait a second. Wait all. a second. Let me finish here because you're saying, well, what was the reason? And it sure sounds to me from what you're saying and. and and, and the way in which you're saying is that you're starting from a presumption that this is illegitimate. And what I'm saying is that yes. we have a process and you are saying that this process it sounds to me like you're saying that this process of going to a judge and getting authorization for a warrant, that if the general public is not also given this information, that therefore we should assume as a starting position that this warrant was illegitimate. And that, to me, is just like a, a shocking uh, – you want to talk about Banana Republic, that, to me, is, is Banana Republic. And I'm really kind of stunned that you would start from that presupposition, being a law and order guy. Supposition that any unreasonable search – there's the presupposition right there. You're you're calling no, 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 it wait, an unreasonable please, please, search. Yeah, let me calm down. My goodness. Well, you it's, called it unreasonable search. I mean, that's not that's your words, no, not I, mine. I, no, I didn't. I didn't call it an unreasonable. Yes, you search. did. So uh, we can, I with, can even rewind I, the tape for for ten we seconds. We start with the presumption. We let me finish. We start with the presumption that any unreasonable search is uh, is invalid, is unconstitutional. Sure. That's okay. the base base point of the Fourth Amendment. Okay. In order to to get over that presumption, which again, this is why you need to let me finish. What you do is you go to court and you obtain a warrant. The presumption in that court that you start out with is that you don't get a warrant. Right. The burden of proof is on the government to show that there is probable cause that a crime has been committed. There's evidence of a crime being committed. That needs to be uh, 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 secured. So that's when I, that's when I say the presumption is that 
the search is invalid to begin with. That's that's the way America works. There's not a presumption that the government can just show up at your house. They have to go through these steps. Okay, so let's go through the steps. Before we go through the steps, uh, they, so I just want to correct, or I just want to kind of a point. I think where we kind of uh, started getting past each other is, so it's really the presumption isn't that the search is invalid, and, and so it's maybe a language thing that I was keying on. Right. So, yes. the, let I'm, me say, saying, yeah. yeah. The presumption yeah. is that the government should not be allowed to search uh, an individual. Right. Or so, okay, okay, that right. that I, can, I get what you're saying. Yes, I agree entirely. Absolutely. Oh. Go ahead. Okay. So the government goes to court and says, "Hi, judge, we've got evidence uh, that a crime has likely been committed, uh, and that their evidence uh, of that crime is at this place, uh, in, in in these specific it's this specific type of, of evidence in these specific type of places, and we'd like to search those specific type of places." That evidence is typically an affidavit from someone who's an investigating officer, or a, a or, or or something like that. Um, at which point the, the it's it's this is of course an ex parte process, meaning it's only the, the prosecution's there, and it's a low hurdle to get over. And the judge looks at that and says, "Well, okay, um, yeah, you know, if you've got if you've got an agent swearing that this is this evidence is there, I'm going to grant the warrant." That's typically the way the way these things go. Um, the the reason I'm a little Trouble, of course, is there's a history between the Trump and the Justice Department uh, on these kind of very issues. And you've had uh, issues where the government literally lied to obtain a warrant. Um, so that's that to me is is concerning. And the fact that, listen, uh, we would never have known that the government lied to obtain that warrant, uh, but for a sort of deep investigation. Um, Given that public distrust of the government, I think would be incumbent uh, on the attorney general when he's seeking another warrant to search a former president's house to come forward with more information than you might, you know, if you're just trying to, you know, prosecute a drug deal. Um, because this is something of significant public interest. Uh, when when you've had a, a a president who's who's really his his entire uh, persona his entire uh, platform is essentially the government's out to get me the deep state is is out to get me uh unjustifiably so um uh, you know that, that this is all a big conspiracy that the election's fixed that that uh, all of this it, it it just makes sense if you are the attorney general and this is happening that you um get that information out there or you take whatever other intermediate steps you need to before you get to that point, uh, to say when the time comes, look, we tried everything. We tried asking nicely. We called his lawyers. Here's the emails to his lawyers uh, requesting the documents. Here's the emails to his his lawyers requesting a meeting to talk about this. Uh, here's where we went to the judge and we filed a suit saying he's he's holding this uh, uh, these documents that belong to the, the people of the United States and need to be returned to the archives. Uh, or it's classified or otherwise sensitive material that he's not allowed to have. There, there was just so many steps in there that, that you you could have done. And you 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 look look at this also in the lens of the New York Times. Has, well, hold on, hold on a second. You've 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 gone on for a while here. Let me kind of interject yeah. just for a minute um, because I think there are. I think we need to make a distinction or at least kind of break things down into there. There is the issue on which I think we are more or less in agreement. 
And that issue is that that the attorney general probably should have done more to manage how this would look, certainly, or, or the information that the public was getting, or, or at least members of Congress, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. so that's something. Now, you and I would might disagree in terms of what that might have actually looked like, what that could have involved, but that's, I think, a point on which there's not a ton of distance between us. Now, it, it seems to me there's a kind of a separate but related issue, and that is the whether or not actually everything was done that could have been done prior to taking this uh, certainly unprecedented step. And uh, we don't know that entirely. Right. It seems like I am more inclined to basically take the attorney general on his word that these things were done. But as you point out, the Trump camp is saying that, no, these things weren't done. And, you know, Donald Trump has said, oh, if they just asked for this stuff, we would have given it to them, that sort of thing. And that's right. maybe an extreme position. It, but it would be I mean, because cause this is the this is the game you, you play in 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 litigation. And and is that, you know, what you do is is the one side says, oh, they never asked for that. And then you go to the judge and says, no, judge, here's the email or the discovery request where we asked for exactly that. Um, and that's that's my point is if Merrick Garland had that, he'd, he'd be waving it around. Um, well, we, we don't we say, don't look, know look, that. We, I think that's an assumption that's an assumption that I understand why you are making that assumption. You make a case for that, why that's not an unreasonable conclusion to draw. But I think one can also take the exact same facts that are available to us and draw the conclusion that Merrick Garland is just a very circumspect low publicity sort of guy has gone into there and and so he has he errs on the side of not opening up ongoing investigations and so there isn't necessarily any sort of any sort of uh i don't want to say deep state conspiracy because i know you don't believe that but at least i don't think you believe that but what i'm saying is that this is an ongoing investigation of a former president and current presidential candidate I, that makes it different. Yeah, well, it absolutely does. And, and, and you know, and I think there's there's reason to look at the evidence and think that actually the Justice Department and the FBI were very much aware of this and treated Donald Trump very differently than they would have treated you or me if we had got, got help of sensitive, you know, nuclear information, that sort of thing. So, you know, I, so I wanted to move on to sort of the, the politics of this. We've kind of gotten into this a little bit and the reaction and so forth. But uh, before we do that, let's just take a really quick break and we'll come back and kind of get into the political aspects of this. Okay, so like I was saying, I, you know, I wanted to get into political aspects of this, but before we do, you know, Jay, it occurred to me that that that, that the first part of this conversation we have is kind of like a a, a microcosm in many ways of, of our of our sort of uh, friendship over this last few decades. Is that uh, uh, at least once we kind of shifted sides, or I shifted sides, is that I am convinced that you are just flat out wrong about something, and so I emote uh, quite a lot, and, and you sort of try to calm me down a little bit. And then oftentimes what, what typically happens is that uh, I, I sort of, I'm able to sort of see things a little more your way, even though I still am fairly convinced that you are, you are wrong. So I think that's kind of All right. the extent to which, uh, but, but, but actually, like I said, I think there was really more agreement between us on this than, than maybe I, I initially, uh, I initially uh, might've, might've thought. And, and I think part of it also is, and this gets into the politics is, you know, seeing how so many people 
have reacted to this before uh, have have drawn conclusions. And I think maybe this gets into why I was reacting to what you were saying, because I've seen how so many people on the right seem to have just immediately jumped to the conclusion, whether it was honestly done or whether it's through some sort of, you know, uh, kind of political calculation that uh, the FBI are a bunch of jackbooted thugs and no better than the Stasi and that sort of thing. I mean, there were some of the quotes and things or, or you know, where, where Fox News, ha ha, jokingly puts the, the judges, uh, the magistrate judges uh, face, photoshops it on Jeffrey Epstein and to play into this pedophile sort of thing. And, and now, and I think you would agree that it is just it is just tragic that no i mean i i would say that all that i think is entirely inappropriate yeah i mean and you know and doxing the fbi agents who are just you know and so that that kind of thing just makes me makes me sick and i think because i've just been really immersed in that over the last couple of days that maybe my initial reaction to some of the stuff you i was a little more maybe hair triggered than than i would have been otherwise but but i but i you know i i figure you you were very much against that certainly no, I, I'm I'm absolutely against that, and and but that you know again, it's it's such a weird weird world where these these lines sort of blur. Where you, um, I'm against uh, unwarranted or un, um, I mean these these, I the idea that that searching the former president's house uh, would not be a a major political firestorm, right? That. And, and that the Merrick Garland or the Justice Department sort of didn't see this coming. You know, that's that's what speaks to me of the sort of the political malpractice and makes it look all the world like, you know, like there's there's a, a bigger problem going on. Right. It like saying, let's geez, if we if we uh, uh, execute a warrant on Trump's house, all hell's going to break loose. Of course, um, you know, we really ought to make sure everyone understands we've got a really good reason for doing what we're doing. Uh, before we do it, the last thing that I was, I was about to say before we, we took the break, and this is the other piece that I think is concerning. The, the New York Times, the, the failing New York Times, um, reports that that Biden has privately said that he thinks Trump should be prosecuted. Uh, now, that's over the Capitol riot. But but still, when you've got a situation where, uh, again, the paper of record is saying that the sitting president is saying the former president should be prosecuted. And, uh, you know, not long after that, you have a search warrant executed upon his his home um, and, and with, with little explanation. I mean, what is, is wouldn't you agree that that anyone looking at this, if we were looking at this in a foreign country? No, I think that's what, unfair. I think it's we, no. I, I think it's. I see what you're saying, but I think it's unfair. It'd be one thing if I don't know Biden were at a rally and he were encouraging people with cries of "Lock him up, lock him up." Um, not that anyone would ever do that, but this is this is some anonymous. Wait, let me let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. This is some anonymous source. Being quoted in the Times saying that the president has privately suggested this. That's very different. So, so no, I mean, certainly. I I agree. uh, So, but yes, I, I agree that any sitting president who would encourage the Justice Department, who would publicly encourage the Justice Department to prosecute or to investigate his opponent. That is a huge problem. That is definitely a banana republicish sort of thing, right? 
I think that, you know, the White House, the White House claims that they were unaware of this uh, FBI raid and they heard about it and exactly when we did. But, you know, and, and I hope did, that's I mean, the case. Mean, do, you, do you believe that? I hope it's I, the I case. I don't. I hope it's the case. And I think, you know, we should all hope it's the case. We have no reason to know whether or not that's true or not. And I think it speaks a lot to the dysfunction and cynicism and lack of trust in government that we hear something like that. And we just so many people just assume, well, of course, that can't be true because Biden is just the corrupt deep state operative who's trying to destroy Donald Trump. No, I, I would say it can't be true because the one of the biggest sins, the biggest, the worst things you can do in politics is to sandbag somebody, especially one of your own, uh, someone in your own party. Uh, and by that, I mean, uh, put them in a situation where, where things are developing and they don't know what's going on. They don't know what's coming. Um, that's, that's just what my, my experience tells me that, uh, you, you don't, um, if you're a cabinet level official, uh, you don't do this sort of thing and not let the president know that you're doing it. I hear what you're uh, saying. To me, that's, yeah. to me, that's that's shocking. And, and if I'm if I'm the president, if I'm Joe Biden and my attorney general says, oh, yeah, I just, uh, um, you know, think, think of it this way. Let's, let's go back and um, um, let's let's say you're uh, uh I agree. I, let me let me just say I agree with you yeah. on this. So I, I you don't need to make this case for me because okay. I agree. But I will also point out that it's uh, while while sandbagging your boss is always a bad thing to do. There are cases in which your boss will come to you and say, "Listen, I don't want to know what's going on here. I understand you want to you need to do your thing, and I need what I, I was going to use the term plausible deniability, but actual deniability. And there are yeah. certain instances in which, especially, and this is you know this is one of my right hobby horses from way back that that I think that the idea that the Justice Department is you, so connected right. to the yeah, anyway. you want an independent judicial justice department, yeah, yes. but but. And so I think in these instances, this is this presents a special case in which I do not find it difficult for at least a president, an honorable president or a semi honorable president to say to the attorney general, listen, I, there needs to be a there needs to be a wall here between us on this, because if there's even the thought, even a suggestion that you mentioned this to me beforehand, that really does politicize the Justice Department. And, you know, that's. But but I understand why people would would yeah. say that, and I think again. Well, but I guess my question is: then, then why hasn't Biden said that? Well, I mean, Biden did say that they the, the spokesperson for the White House did say that they knew nothing about this raid, and they have said repeatedly in in multiple forums that they are not they are not directing the FBI, the Department of Justice, on this. And so, I, I mean, it has been said; it's not believed, but it has been said. No, what what I'm saying is, if I were the Biden administration, if this if this were the case, um, one because regardless of of it, it makes it makes the president look uh, bad, uh, the sense that he doesn't know what's going on, right? Um, well, he can't win one, then, right? I mean, he can't. So no, it's no, 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 you can win. No, you can win. Here's and here's, here's okay. how you do it. Um, you say, listen, I've uh, I've been briefed by the attorney general on a significant, uh, 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 you know, criminal case. 
Uh, it's sensitive politically. Uh, I have instructed the attorney general to proceed as he sees fit because I am not going to be directing uh, these types of charges. Uh, but I firmly believe that no one is above the law, and I firmly trust my attorney general to act uh, in the, the best interest of the American people uh, in, in prosecuting what he sees to be uh, potential crimes. And you say that, say, listen, I, I was aware that there's this investigation ongoing. I am removing myself personally from the investigation, and I'm leaving it to the hands of the law enforcement professionals to to take care of. Um, I think that, the administration that would be the way said to what is supposed to be like, we didn't know that because to me that we didn't know that is just, is just beyond belief. Well, I, I, that's, I, I think you're, I think that's an awful fine distinction you're making. And it seems like to certain people that might make a difference. But I think that the political calculation here is that the more we say about this, the more it looks like we're trying to cover or, or, or prevaricate or something like that. And so I, I, I get what you're saying, but I just disagree with with kind of the the optics of it and and, and the, the political sense of it. But I, I do see what you're saying. I just I just don't think that's that that makes sense politically. But anyway, okay, let me just just do the, the quick hypothetical. Sure. Um, is is uh, you know back in the Trump administration, uh, Bill Barr executes a search warrant um, at on uh, the, the place in Chappaqua. Um, Trump says, first time hearing of it. Would you believe that? Based on Donald Trump's past, it would be difficult for me to believe because he is he seems to me to be uh, the most thoroughly corrupt president of my lifetime and perhaps in history. So. So, no, I mean, because whenever someone makes a statement, of course, you have to consider who it is that is making the statement. Sure. And I know of no one in public life in the United States who I can think of, at least at that at a high level, who who is more seems to me thoroughly corrupt and contemptuous of rule of law than Donald Trump. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, I get, it, I get, it, I get it, I get it. Um, but uh, I, I guess we can concede that Trump is horrible uh, <laughs> okay. w- without without also seeing the point that again, to me, this is just not the way presidential administrations or any organization works. Um, yeah, where where an attorney general makes what may be the most um, you know, again, as we keep saying, unprecedented, right? It's a really, really, really big deal. It is. Um, yeah. And and you don't mention it to your boss. Uh, even, I mean, again, this is, and, and, and setting aside the, um, uh, the, the, the Justice Department piece of it. Right. This is, this is something that's going to rile political passions in a country that is already pretty well riled. Uh, and, and, you know, again, just as a heads up, say, Hey, boss, I think you ought to know we're yeah. going to do this. Now, again, that's another option that, that Biden had. Uh, he could say or, or that Garland had, depending on how this played out. Um, you know, Biden could have issued a statement saying, yes, the attorney general came to me and, and said that he believed uh, there was there was sufficient evidence to support this warrant. Um, and uh, I, I said I would not intervene. Again, that's that's the thing that the show. Yeah, okay, I understand what you're saying. And, you, you know, you've made that point a number of times. And, and I guess I'll I'll just give my rejoinder that I've given, you know, the, the same number of times is that I don't think that that would work the way you would think it would work is all. And I get what you're saying. Okay. I understand your argument. But I think that the the uh, the reaction would not be what you think it would be. And I think that's what I, I certainly think that the Biden administration and the Justice Department, Merrick Garland, considered exactly what you're saying. 
but they do not, they did not, in my judgment, rightly, did not believe it would play out the way you think it would play out. And they felt that actually the more they said about it, the worse it would actually be. And I think that that's actually the correct political calculation. It was a no-win situation. And so, but, but I understand what you're saying. I just, I just don't think it would play out that way. So, but, but, you know, you mentioned the inflamed passions and all that, you know, something that occurred to me, and this is probably, we sometimes talk about Trump and three-dimensional chess and all that sort of things. Right. But, but, you know, there's, there's, uh, it's possible, I guess, that this is a great way for Donald Trump to sort of, that sort of, uh, trap, if you will, to the, the FBI, right? In the sense of saying that, well, let's let's not give up everything and let's force them to take action. And then that's just going to really strengthen the whole deep state thing. It'd be a great way for me to kick off my, you know, re-election campaign and that sort of thing. And, and so, I mean, I, I guess it's hard for me to believe that, but there's part of me that wonders, well, you know, Trump is a pretty crafty guy, right? And this plays so well into the whole deep state sort of narrative that animates a lot of folks on Trump's base. I mean, you know, there was that guy right uh, in just in my my town here, Cincinnati, who was killed yeah. by authorities. I was worried. About, I, I heard the yes, the someone on the yeah, yeah big, attacked big, the FBI and on the run. I was going to check in on yeah, you. But. I mean, big poster on Truth Social and apparently enraged about the raid on on uh, Trump's place and, you know, wanted to do a went to the FBI field office in Cincinnati with an AR-15 and, you know, looking to wreak vengeance. I mean, you yeah. know, and that's that's. That's some that's some awful stuff, certainly. And I know and you, and you and you and I, you and I would agree that that's something that look, that's not entirely unanticipated. No, no. And that's why and that's why you got to wonder and you got to hope, certainly, uh, if if I'll say this, if there isn't something that the Justice Department felt was there, that was just incredibly important, you know, a nuclear stuff, whatever. I don't know. Right then even though I agree, no one, nobody is or should be above the law. Certainly, of course, we all, well, maybe Donald Trump doesn't, but most of us agree that, right? But I think also you need to say, well, wait a second, what will this do to the country? And sometimes you give people a pass who don't really deserve a pass because the implications of acting would be so incredibly destructive and yeah and so i don't know that calculation we we can't know that calculation because we don't have the information i just certainly hope that uh and i think merrick garland is a smart and politically astute guy which is why i i'm inclined to believe that there was something really big that the fbi had a good reason to believe was there or else they wouldn't have done in the first place now if that doesn't come up then I think that suggests, if nothing else, that there was an enormous, an enormously dangerous political uh, miscalculation that was made. Yeah, I, and I, I'm um, sort of thinking more to the the latter. Yeah. Well, and I, if if I may, if I may, if you're thinking if if Trump is being crafty, right? Uh, is is this his plan to? Um, yeah, I mean, my thinking, right, exactly. Yeah, sure. my, my thinking yeah. is that Trump says to someone right. in his they orbit, can make say, myself the victim, and that yeah. means they're out. And not only that, but no, basically I, kind of in, kind of entice the FBI, say, go to someone in my orbit and say, listen, I think he's got some nuclear stuff here, or kind of on the down yeah. low. And then the FBI jumps in, and there's absolutely nothing there except for some, you know, I mean, some, yeah, some 
top secret stuff that may or may not have been declassified, but nothing that's like a smoking gun kind of, you know, thing. And so all of a sudden, then that just is a huge win for Trump. And that's, you know, maybe that's, again, ascribing more craftiness to Donald Trump than one should. But but I don't know. You know, he clearly is a he is a he is an intelligent and, and very uh, smart guy in that kind of way. So maybe that isn't crazy but it's that feels a little too kind of you know multi-step conspiracy theory thing and i kind of i shy away from that stuff just as a matter the the other i mean the other if you're looking at the other way though what democrats want most uh going in the midterms and going into the 2024 presidential election is to keep donald trump front and center sure yeah and 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 this would also serve that goal because what we've we've spent uh, the entire show talking about a president who's been out of office for a year and a half. Um, right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And, and I, I think there's, there are those on the right who can make that same sort of craftiness argument about the timing, uh, of this. Uh, and, and that's, that's where those, those concerns. And, and, and I'm saying you don't have to be a believer in the deep state or anything like that to, to, to say that. Sure. Um, that's, the way politics works. So, oh yeah, and and that gets to the question of exactly how politicized uh, and partisan is is law enforcement, right? And that's a that's a fair it's a fair question to ask, certainly. And so, you know, I, I'm of two minds of at least some of the Republican reaction. You know, uh, uh, was it uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy? Right, said that made that, I don't know, a tweet or something to, to Garland, preserve your documents and clear your calendar, you know, and, and uh, you know, and then somebody, uh, Jim Banks, who's a Republican study committee chair, said, Jim Jordan led Judiciary Committees in January, can't come soon enough. And, you know, I'm of two minds. Uh, my first initial reaction is like, oh, my God. But my second reaction, well, wait a second, you know, of course I want transparency in federal law enforcement because these folks have enormous power. I think I am rightfully skeptical of the fairness and impartiality of, I don't know, Jim Jordan in leading those investigations. But that doesn't mean that I don't think that I don't think, you know, certainly the FBI and the Justice Department shouldn't be above the law either. And I think that's important to keep in mind. Well, that's good. I'm glad you feel that. Nobody, nobody should be above the law anyway. So, you know, as you point out, we, we have spent uh, almost an hour talking about so I want to talk about at least something else and some at least potentially good news, semi good news. I don't know. I wanted to get your take on it uh, on the inflation. Eighty seven thousand more IRS and, uh, investigators. <laughs> Not. No, no. Well, well, maybe that's a story for another time. But but on, on Wednesday, August 10th, which is, by the way, my birthday, the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics released the CPI report for July. And, you know, inflation still unquestionably high, 8.5 percent. That's actually a decrease from June's 9.1 percent, as well as May. 8.6%. And as you would expect, the biggest decreases were in energy with gasoline falling 7.7%, fuel oil down 11%. And this is in the context, of course, of, of a, a very strong job market. The July job growth was way more than uh, the forecast, the consensus forecast. In fact, about more than double. Unemployment is at 3.5%. The lowest it's been in half a century. Wage growth, it's not meeting inflation, but it's, it's you know, it's, it's very strong and wages tend to be stickier than 
prices. And so a couple of things occurred to me. Number one, to ask you, Jay, is how I'm sure you see this as good news, but I'm wondering, you're probably a little less optimistic about it than I am, but I wanted to get your kind of just reaction to this, at least guardedly good economic news. Yeah, no, I, I, I would say it's, it's good news uh, that, that it looks like the uh, pace of inflation, at least in certainly the energy sector, is, is flowing. Um, the bad news is, is when you, you know, well, again, President Biden made sort of the sort of silly statements that inflation is zero. Um, when you look at other sectors, that's not necessarily the case. Overall uh, it's inflation. Just adjusting, yeah. adjusting energy down and, you know, balances out. So, it, yeah, overall. Um, so, I, I, I yeah, it's, it, it's good news that uh, gas prices are coming down. Um, it's, it's bad news that we're, you know, continuing to spend more money. And, and look, this is, as I predicted, the inflation it will come down, but it's going to take a while. Uh, and if we're still at, you know, year over year inflation of, you know, six, seven percent, uh, you know, at the end of this year, uh, that's that's still not not helpful, not healthy and, and not something that that. Uh, yeah. Uh, and people I, be, be happy with. And I think even uh, even optimistic analysts think that by the end of the year, we're still probably going to be in four or five percent territory. And that's if a lot of stuff, you know, breaks right. And of course, we still don't know. You know, there could be there could be a virus uh, pandemic upsurges and, you know, with Russia and so forth, because the food, the food issue, that's that's one of the biggest uh, increase of one point one percent or something like that. So. So, yeah, I, I, I think I thought we kind of agree that while this is good news and we want to see inflation trending down this isn't some kind of uh we're out of the woods thing i mean there i know there are some folks on the right who are saying what if we don't have inflation as an issue to work with in the in, in the midterms and I think that's that's i don't think that's really going to be an issue oh, you will. yeah yeah but of course it's it's obviously better politically for republicans if inflation is getting worse as opposed to getting better well and again when you say getting better um, to some extent, look, a lot of times, you know, when we talk about no more inflation, um, that doesn't mean prices are going down. It just means they're not going up yeah. uh, as fast as they were before. Uh, so, you know, that's in a, in a particularly volatile sector like the energy market. You can see that, right? And gas prices fluctuate from day to day and month to month and all that. Um, it's it's going to be less so when they when you go to the grocery store. Um you know, and, and, and you say, well, look, a uh, thing of chicken thighs still costs uh, almost twice as what it, it did last year. Um, so, you know, I think I think that's still going to be be with people and they're not going to see prices back to the, the way they were. And which is which is, you know, economic actually actually a good thing. Right. You don't want deflation. Right. Um, inflation's bad. Deflation is is worse. Um, but uh uh, and, you know, that's, and, and I would think we both agree that this is not the sort of thing that should cause the Fed to kind of, you know, tap the brakes on the, on the planned interest rate types. No, yeah. and, and yeah. to the extent any of this happens, right, it, it's sort of anticipating that that's already baked into the right. equation, right? Right, yeah, absolutely. Um, so. So, yeah, so it's, I have to say sort of like good news, but no one should kind of, you know, be jumping up and down a, a, at this point. So uh, but, you know, there is one other thing that I wanted to talk about. Really, it'll make us go along. But this is something that kind of a personal connection. Um, and that's some some legislation that I do think is 
very definitely good news, and that's the, the PACT Act, which President Biden signed into law this week. It expands VA health benefits to service members who were exposed to these toxic burn pits in Iraq and, and Afghanistan. Because in many in many instances, the health conditions that come from these things can take you know many years to manifest. And prior to this, how the system works is that the, the, the service member or former service member had to make a case for that connection. And where there wasn't a presumptive sort of connection there, if they wanted to get VA benefits care for various conditions. And what this did, among other things, is to list a whole bunch of conditions as presumptively connected, which not which is not to say that they are, but just to say that veterans can get medical care from the VA based on these conditions if they met the service requirements being in certain areas over certain times, that kind of thing. Um, and it's, you know, it's not cheap. It's expected to cost around $280 billion over the next decade, but there was really widespread support for it. The Senate approved it 86 to 11 and the House, well, there was a less bipartisan support in the House, 256 to 174. And, and I wanted to get your take on this, Jay, before I kind I talked about sort of my my reaction to it. I, th- I think overall that's that's good. I mean, as I understand, the, the wrangling was over costs, and there had been an amendment which was later pulled um, uh, regarding sort of accounting methodology that would have applied to other uh, other government agencies, and, and that was that was sort of the issue. Yeah, um, I'm not sure exactly why yet so many people voting against in the House, other than just the cost issue. Um, I can actually answer uh, and maybe, that. And maybe and maybe just the I don't want to be seen voting with uh, Nancy Pelosi. But yeah, there's, there's part of that. Certainly, you know, there, there are some folks who would just never vote for anything uh, like Thomas Massey, I think, just votes no on, on everything as a matter of course. But there are folks like that. But uh, a big part of it actually has to do with some kind of arcane stuff that uh, a lot of Republicans in the House said, you know, we're for this. But what we don't like is that it actually makes a portion of this funding mandatory, meaning that it's automatically put in place every year, continued yeah. unless Congress votes against it, as opposed to making it all discretionary spending, which means it needs to be reapproved with every budget. And oftentimes, Congress is reluctant to make spending mandatory because they like the idea of being able to say, hey, look, I voted for this wonderful thing, right? That kind of thing. And so I can see where a lot of members of Congress would like to kind of keep on their record saying that we kept on voting. I voted for this uh, 38 times, you know, that kind of thing. But of course, the reason for keeping certain spending Mandatory, mandatory, and it's not really mandatory in the sense that you can't change. Any it. Congress can overrule any exactly. other prior Congress. It yeah. just means that there's less of a chance that it's going to get taken out, and kind of can provide for a little more stability there. And so, I mean, to me, this is the kind of thing spending for veterans who've been affected by toxic burn pits. It's the sort of thing that would be really hard for a lot of folks to vote against in any case. And so I don't know that the mandatory discretionary thing is that big of a deal, actually. But, you know, to me, I would say it's personal interest because, you know, I I served in the Gulf War, of course, and uh, under this legislation now, if I developed any number of cancers or long respiratory conditions, I could go to the VA and get, you know, and, and not have to go through a lot of legal wrangling or administrative wrangling to get care. But, you know, also, I mean, I remember those burn pits, you know, and it was that you have bulldozers come in and dig these huge 
you know, pits. Well, really, and the stuff we would throw in them, I was just, I mean, it was just like furniture, plastics, you know, just really anything. Hey, you got some stuff, throw it in the pit because who doesn't love a fire, right? And then we would just throw all this stuff in there and then we'd come in and just douse it with just gallons and gallons of diesel fuel and light it up, you know, and uh, it was, it was something to see and it was also something to smell. So, this is something, you know, when I heard this, like, well, wow, I definitely was exposed to toxic burn pits uh, more than a few times. Uh, at the time, of course, when you're, you know, some kid, you're like, yeah, I get to throw a, I could throw a chair into the fire. You know, that's really cool when you're 20 something years old, that kind of thing. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so I think this is definitely a good thing. And, you know, 280 billion over a decade, given, given the, the sort of exposure for uh, a lot of veterans, including myself, I'm, I'm very happy that this passed. And, and I think it's uh, very much a good thing. And it seems like yeah. you pretty much agree on that. All right. Well, we are, we have run a little bit long, but before we go, I just want to mention to folks that you really should, if you haven't already, add when the people decide to your podcast lineup. It has now become a part of my routine, and uh, really every episode I, I listen to, I come away. Uh, learning something new, feeling that I, it was time well spent. Uh, there's just one, uh, speaking of personal connections, episode that uh, really resonated for me, this battle between anti and pro-LGBTQ camps in Cincinnati, where I live. Uh, and so that was a really fascinating episode. And, you know, Jenna, she just does a great job uh, on all these episodes, even if you don't live in Cincinnati, which, you know, most people don't. Uh, it's a great story, and the whole series is just great. And, of course, you can find When the People Decide, well, wherever you get the politics guys. So there you go. All right. Well, before we go, also, I want to thank uh, one of our newest supporters. Uh, that's Burgundy. Thank you so much for becoming a supporter. We really do appreciate it. And if you're not already a supporter, we hope you will consider becoming one because without supporters, we couldn't keep the podcast going. And when you are a supporter, you get all kinds of good stuff like ad-free versions of this show. You get the special supporters midweek show. Like this week, uh, Jay and I are going to be talking about uh, human nature and democracy. Uh, Jay, or sorry, Trey and Ken talked about that in their show, the human nature thing. I had all kinds of problems with some of the stuff they were saying. So I'm looking forward to kind of teeing I've, I've busted out my old uh, copy of uh, Rousseau here just there, last there, night, Blake. There you That's go. That's what I'm reading on a Friday night. That's Rousseau did Friday come night. up. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that and some other stuff. It's a lot of fun, and supporters get that. So, And as always, if you are not a supporter and you would like to, but you're like, eh, money's a little tight, just, that's not a problem. Just send me an email, mike at politicsguys.com, and I will get make sure that you get all of the shows that we put out there. I am happy to do it. And whether you're a supporter or not, it really does help if you can help us to get the word out by rating the show, reviewing it on whatever podcast app you, you use, as well as sharing the show uh, episodes on social media. That is a really big deal and we hope you will be willing to do that as well and of course if you ever want to get in touch with us if you're a supporter discord channel is the best way but there's also our twitter facebook that's always in the show notes as well as mail at politicsguys.com and finally a special thanks as always to our executive producers they are great bruce johnson wilma moreno andre masker daniel toe and ryan beasley jay and i will be back with a new show for you next week. We hope you'll join us.